This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, friends. Kat Smith here. I want to welcome you to our newest episode of Enneagram Plus Yoga. And today, Christy and I have a really special guest coming back to talk to us. Her name is Kristen Moore, and we are talking about needed childhood messages. It's going to be a two-part episode, so this is part number one. And just in case you didn't catch our episodes with Kristen when we were talking about unconscious childhood messages, I want to reintroduce her to you. So Kristen is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she is an Enneagram 9. So uh, she um, is a typical peacemaker, and I think you will hear that just by listening to her speak. And she likes all things um, typical Enneagram 9 like, like being cozy and um, having nice cups of teas and being covered in fuzzy blankets. But she also um, is formally conflict avoided um, with a very hazy sense of self. So Kristen has experienced personal transformation using the Enneagram. And um, she was able to find a more authentic sense of peace and became intentional in showing up for herself. Um, Christy and I have thoroughly enjoyed these conversations. I hope you will do the same. So tune in and enjoy listening. Well, Kristen, welcome again, and we're going to get started with some questions for you this time about being an Enneagram 9. And so as an Enneagram 9, tell me what is hard for you about being an Enneagram 9 and what you love about being an Enneagram 9. Yeah, um, so I think what I love about it is having a little bit more capacity to stay calm in stressful situations. Yeah. Um, so obviously that depends. That looks different in different scenarios or different groups of people like me with yeah. my kids versus like in a work scenario. Sure. Um, but there's been some times in my life where there's been, um, you know, someone or something kind of goes into crisis. And it's mm-hmm. like in that moment, I feel like I'm able to channel the calm and stay grounded and be like, okay, like, what do we need to do? Like, let's just do it. Like, it's, yeah. you know, like we can just stay grounded. We could move forward. And so I feel that is a scenario when kind of like the um, the gifting of like the true peace side of a nine can come up mm-hmm. in a in a helpful way versus in like a defense mechanism type of way. Yeah, yeah. And then I think what's hard, um, one of the things is just, um, like, how my energy gets depleted. Yeah. Um, So, especially throughout the day and just different stimuli and things that come up, um, sometimes by, like, the afternoon, like... I just feel so drained or like you hear a lot of jokes about like nines mm. taking naps, but it's like, yeah, I, I could probably take a nap every day if I had this space too, you know, and it's just like, um, I can, I can start off the morning and sometimes even have that good three energy. And then as the day goes on, I just feel sometimes a little bit more drained if it's been like a really busy yeah. day or if there's been a lot of chaos or whatever else. And so 
sometimes I, uh, I look at other numbers and I'm like, Oh, like I wish I had that sustained energy, you know, but I really, I've, I've learned, I really do need that time to refuel. And I've learned kind of like what I need and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And other numbers we could probably learn from you to allow for the naps right? Yeah. <laughs> and to like rest on the couch and to have a cup of tea and you right. know, just uh, be a little bit British in that way. Take take a moment to have that spot of tea. Yes. <laughs> terrible, terrible I love, British we, accent there. We uh, traveled over there. Uh, we've been up there a couple of times now because we have friends that live in England. Mm-hmm. Um, but like tea culture and like tea time is such a cool thing and like to to have that space in other cultures as well kind of having that built-in rest time to our day I think it is really powerful and it is different than the American culture which you know often we think about it as an Enneagram 3 type culture although recently the the six has certainly been showing Mm -hmm. up um, in the United States and hard to pinpoint exactly what we are but we do you know at least get pinpointed by other people as as kind of a three culture but I did live in England for a little while and yeah and it was very different I mean they take the breaks you know they take the tea time Mm -hmm. and that's very important just like in Mexico they're going to have their siesta and that's not a part of our culture and Mm -hmm. so we do need to learn from those nine types or nine countries Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure what number I would give Mexico or England, but, but still it's a nine, nine like quality. Yeah. And, um, more of us, I think need to integrate that part of you Mm -hmm. into ourselves. So, um, but like me, you're a marriage and family therapist, and I know you're also a certified spiritual director. Mm -hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit more about your journey to become a spiritual director and a therapist and what you love about this work. Yeah. Um, so I've decided to become a therapist first (laughs) and I think looking back, it was really rooted in, um, having people in my life that were going through hard things and, um, trying to help them find a resource and find a therapist and just kind of Mm -hmm. seeing them navigate that process. And, um, even as I got older and I was in ministry for a little bit, um, I had some, some teens in, in the youth group I was working with similarly, Mm-hmm. And I just realized, like, I can't walk with them in this specific way, like, because of the personal relationship, that would be a dual relationship, obviously. Yeah. And at that point, I was not a therapist anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think that really drove me to to think about, like, maybe I could be this for other people and for other people's friends and loved ones. Mm-hmm. And maybe I could get trained to know how to sit in these hard situations or know how to respond to pain in a helpful mm-hmm. way. Um you know, and I, w- I was so interested in that work. Like, how mm-hmm. can I be a helpful presence in the mm-hmm. midst of like pain and suffering? And so that really drove me um, to getting trained as a therapist, mm-hmm. um, which I've really enjoyed. And I really enjoyed the training because it is one of those that you can't learn without internalizing. And yeah. so it was very therapeutic even to learn about being a therapist. Um, I learned a lot about myself and even learned a lot about myself as a helper in like helper yeah. profession, not a Enneagram two helper because I'm a nine, but yeah, yeah, I learned so much about myself. And as I was learning how to be a therapist and be that for someone else. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting. I think about this today, like as, as a nine, it seems kind of like a natural profession to fall into, you know, like what is a Mm -hmm. profession I can just like kind of erase myself and focus on someone else, you know, but I think it's also one that you can step into out of like a sense of, no, actually, like, I think I am 
I actually am a good listener, you know, in like yeah. an authentic way. And yeah. I think I do want to help in an authentic way. And it can, it can be more about that than just not knowing what I want out of life or not knowing what I'm good at. You know, mm-hmm. like I think, I think probably nines could get into the profession for both reasons, but I think that there is, um, there is a lot of potential for it to be a really good space for nines professionally. Yeah. So it's like I kind of fell into it before I even knew about the Enneagram. But as I've, the more I've been in it, the more I've been like, this is a really great fit for me. Like I really enjoy this work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a spiritual director, my husband actually brought that to my attention when he was in seminary. Mm-hmm. He had spiritual direction and it was so powerful for him. And I loved hearing about it. And he was like, hey, like, what do you think about getting trained in this work? Mm-hmm. And so um, that's how I got into it. And, um, again, with the training, it was so powerful and and transformative. And that's really where I did my Enneagram work. Um, learning about myself as a nine was in my spiritual direction program. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was really powerful. Um, so I enjoy that as well. And so both spaces, I just feel so honored to get to sit with people Mm -hmm. and just the courage that people have. I mean, I know, I know that, you know, Mm -hmm. the courage that people have and what honor is for them to just bring in their authentic selves Mm -hmm. and to say the things that maybe they don't want to say in other spaces or just to be the person that they are Mm -hmm. without these walls up and um, to share their vulnerabilities and their pain you know, yeah. it is, it is such an honor to get to sit in those spaces with them. And then for them to invite me in and say like, Hey, like I, I want to grow. I want to feel differently or I want to be better. And, you know, for me to be able to partner with them in that and just collaborate with them to help them get to where they want to be. Like, it's such an honor. Um, and specifically as a Christian, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, from my viewpoint, like I, I really see, the Lord doing the healing when people mm-hmm. are open to that mm-hmm. and people are Christians. And so um, from that perspective, just being able to feel like I can partner with him in that, just be like a, a tangible physical presence of his hands and feet and like the healing that he's doing outside of the therapy room. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just such an honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a co-creative yeah, work. Absolutely. And I would say I have, a spiritual director um, and a lot of people may not know what that is and I may not describe it perfectly because I'm not one but I've had one in my 20s now in my 40s I have one again and um, they just kind of uh, accompany you on your sort of journey to kind of grow spiritually mm-hmm. and uh, I do a lot of dream work with my mm spiritual director. So every spiritual director is different. The one that I worked with in my twenties, we did a lot of Enneagram work together. Um, but now at this season, you know, most of our sessions have been on, on dreams, but just also on like being the best version of myself. I could be in mind, body and in spirit. Um, but you know, it's some of that, like looking at your dreams and doing that work of the unconscious to, mm-hmm. to make the unconscious conscious and to think about like, you know, um, who you are, why you're here on this earth sort of question. So it's very similar to therapy, but if you haven't ever heard of spiritual direction and many of our listeners may not have, I would look that up and, and think about that as something, um, to check out because it, it does really, I think it's another pathway of growth. Mm-hmm. and um, it's it's sacred work just like therapy. So any yeah, listeners absolutely. who don't know about it, um, that's something for you to check out. 
anything else you would say about spiritual direction? Because again, I'm not one, so I did, I'm not sure I described it as well as you might. So. Yeah. Well, it's what interesting because it is so, it can be so broad, like it can look mm-hmm. so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And there is spiritual direction in the very broad sense. And then there's mm-hmm. like Christian spiritual direction, mm-hmm. which is actually what I do. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I don't want to, um, and this is only like a, subsect of spiritual direction as a whole yeah but in christian spiritual direction that i do um we do a lot of like co-listening is the language Mm -hmm. i like to use and Mm -hmm. so um it's really neat to just to um because it's really neat just to sit with someone and to listen with them to Mm -hmm. in this situation to god or to the holy Mm -hmm. spirit Mm -hmm. um and so they you know people bring all sorts of different things kind of like therapy um, just questions that they have about themselves, who they yeah. are on earth, maybe about maybe about God or about the divine, maybe about their relationships. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I, I, my role is just to ask good questions and to listen to them and then mm-hmm. also to open myself up and, and them to kind of create or really to, to host a listening space yeah. for the work that that God is doing or for what the Holy Spirit might want to speak yeah. into that situation. And so... Um, in that and like the specific kind of work that I do, I'm helping someone listen um, as they open themselselves up for direction and, and the belief that the Holy Spirit is the true director. Yeah. And, and we are listening to his direction together and kind of helping guide them to that listening space. I like that. I And I would say a long time ago, I, I, and sort of definition of spirituality that was introduced to me that, that I think is Also, the work that I'm doing with my spiritual director is that spirituality is a way of connecting to the divine, to yourself, to others, Mm -hmm. to your body, to creation, to your vocation. And, you know, the list could go on, but it's about connection and helping you to be a more integrated, connected, spiritually alive person. And so, yeah, so check out spiritual direction if Mm -hmm. you're not familiar with it. Um, Sorry, so one more thing. Yeah. Specifically with Enneagram work, I think, you know, Enneagram work is a deeply spiritual work. Yeah. Um, in that, like, knowing yourself, getting to know yourself is, is like a deeply spiritual work. So certainly um, it is an appropriate space to talk about the Enneagram as is counseling. Yeah. Both great yeah. tools. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So speaking of counseling, your website, KristenMoreCounseling.com, which everybody should go check out. It's a beautiful website. Um, but it mentions that mindfulness is a tool that you use with your clients. So how would you define mindfulness and what are some of the ways you practice it in your own life? Mm-hmm. I love the definition of being present to the present moment mm-hmm. or bringing your focus or attention back to the present moment. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I talk with my clients a lot about that is how can we bring ourselves back to the present? And I have found so much, um, success, peace, relief, just personally Mm -hmm. in learning about it. It's one of those things that almost feels too simple. So people don't do it, but Mm -hmm. there is so much power in the present moment and all we can influence is the present. And what I found, especially as a, as a nine, as a peacemaker, when I desperately want that, I want that inner peace. I want that outer peace. Mm -hmm. Like that can so often be found in the present moment. You know, it's usually the past or the future that is kind of getting me in these anxious spirals, but like in the present, like there is quiet. Typically Mm -hmm. there is, there can be quiet and safety, um, in a sense of rest. And like, I am Mm -hmm. here now. And like, Mm -hmm. this is the moment I'm in now. And Mm -hmm. like, I can take a deep breath and I can breathe and I can notice, you know, like, 
the the green grass and the blue sky again like Mm -hmm. it sounds so simple but like those are the things that we don't notice when we're not being mindful and we bring our attention back to it like it is so easy to like regain a sense of peace in that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah helping us to pay attention right to wake up to life Mm -hmm. yeah all right so you're married so how has the Enneagram helped you in your marriage to better Mm -hmm. understand yourself but also your dear husband (laughs) (laughs) It has been an incredible tool. Um, Like most people say, I wish we would have found it sooner. Yeah. I think we had been married for about five years when we learned about it. And Mm. I think we were naturally kind of starting to learn these things about each other and about ourselves. We didn't have the language for it. We didn't have the roadmap. And that's what I feel like the Enneagram is. It's a roadmap to show you where you are and where you can go to like your your most healthy destination, both for yourself and in a relationship. And so as we were kind of having these cycles or feeling like we were getting stuck, I feel like the Enneagram really illuminated why that was happening Yeah, and really sort of revealed like that. We just, we think very differently. So I'm a nine and he's a one Yeah, and we just, we just think differently. We, we have different experiences. We, um, different defense mechanisms, different things come up. You know, and I, I tell this story about, we got this um, new table one time and, and I accidentally put something on it that scratched it. And I just thought it wasn't really a huge deal. Cause I'm like, it's a table and it's, yeah, I'm it's, like that with the yeah, car. Just yeah. I use it and we're going to eat on it. It's going to get more scratches. And um, my husband was upset because it was a, he's a one and he, it was a new table. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to see that scratch, see that flaw, the imperfection on something that we had just invested money in, in our new home. And I couldn't understand why he was so upset. And he couldn't understand why I was so cavalier about yeah. it. You know, <laughs> he knew the scratches were going to come eventually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it was it was it sounds like so simple, but that was that was the thing where we realized that that was a dynamic playing out in other parts of our relationship. Mm-hmm. We were getting stuck because we were having trouble perspective taking because we thought about things so differently. Yeah, and we, I think that's kind of what the enneagram is a reminder of is that there are nine distinct ways of seeing the world you know and so we kind of miss that sometimes or we falsely assume that other people think the way that we think and that's definitely not the case and it can lead to a lot of frustration you know and so I think just being able to name that like yes there are still situations where we we get into the same table scratch situation yeah but I think just being able to name that it's like oh that's not upsetting to me but I can understand why that's upsetting to you Mm -hmm. and so I can be more intentional about being careful because I see how you see it now. That's such a good example of how the Enneagram is a tool that can help us not only understand ourselves, but also to understand and have compassion for our partner and our friends and people in our lives. So thank you for that. So Kristen and I are going to talk today about the needed childhood messages, sometimes called the lost childhood messages that we did not hear as a child, but that we need to hear now in our adult lives. And as you hear these lost childhood messages, you might deeply resonate with one or more of them. Um, And when I say more, it might be because one of them is a wing. It might be because one of them was what a parent that you grew up with. needed to hear and so you lived in a house let's say with a one who um, just was always chiding you about mistakes and so you you might deeply resonate with the the needed childhood message for the one because of that Um, or if you're 
a nine, you might deeply rec uh, connect to the one because you have a one wing. So know that as you hear these, one or more uh, might connect with you. And a lot of times we use these childhood messages to help us to indicate or to know which personality type we might be. So if, if one of these is really, really, really coming up for you as, oh, wow, ouch, I do need to hear that. Well, then that might be a number that you need to look at if you're still discerning what your Enneagram number is. And, and certainly there are great tests out there like the Enneagram Institute test that you can take on their website. But tests are only right about 60th percent of the time. So you're going to have to also read about it, look at the unconscious childhood messages and the lost childhood messages. And if you didn't catch the unconscious childhood message with Kristen, please check that episode out as well, because that one kind of accompanies this one. Uh, so I would love for you guys to hear what she had to say in that episode. But we're going to start out with the one and the needed childhood message for the one. So Kristen, tell us the needed childhood message for the one. Needed childhood message for once is you are good. Mm. You are good. Um, and we talked about this in the last episode, but the unconscious childhood message is it's not okay to make mistakes. Yeah. Um, so those, I feel like these go together nicely um, mm -hmm. because for once, their, their goodness, um, sometimes their perfectionism, yeah. them not making mistakes, um, that is sometimes how they derive their sense of, of worth and of, yeah. um, of value, you know, like who am I, if I am not producing good things or things aren't excellent, so, you know, they have a hard yeah. time separating their worth from their work, kind of like some other numbers that we'll talk about. Um, but sort of this, their core fear has to do with, with being wrong or bad, um, or evil, mm -hmm. um, and that is that is what they're pushing back from, running away from. They're they're afraid that you know, what if that is true about me? Yeah. And if you know many ones, and um, I'm sure if, if Kat wasn't here to speak on this, yeah. she could give us some good insight. But you know, generally ones are probably like the best people you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so everyone around them can see that. They can see like they deeply desire goodness in the world, yeah. and they have this gift to see not only like what is good, but the potential for how everything could even be better. How there could be more goodness. But they have yeah. this hard time of accepting that for themselves, that they are good and to rest in that goodness. And so they, mm -hmm. they seem to sometimes strive for that goodness or engage in things like perfectionism mm -hmm. um, as a defense mechanism. Yeah, you're right. They're people of deep integrity. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but because they want the world to be this place that's perfect, mm -hmm. they expect that of themselves and they sometimes expect that of others. Right. And so they have a strong inner critic that's, that beats them up a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, they have that monkey in their head that's mm -hmm. saying, you know, not nice things sometimes. And then that can turn on other people in their lives because they can sometimes be harder on them than, you know, they want to be. But we all need to know that when that happens, when we have a one in our life who could be hard on us, it's because they're even harder on themselves. Right. And and it and it does come out of this place of beauty inside mm -hmm. of them too, like you said, this reformer inside of them that's wanting to make the world a better place. But because they want that for the world, 
they want that for themselves. They want that from others. Mm -hmm. You know, I've definitely had ones in my life come over to my house and like point out the flaws <laughs> and you're like okay oh. yeah we're we're, we're going to get to that cuz you know I live in an old fixer up house and you know and it's just it's funny but mm-hmm. it 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 just also can help me with grace for them yeah. because you can be like okay <laughs> but you know i i think that that you know they need a lot of grace from us and, um, and for themselves as well. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes ones have told me that also hearing the message, you are enough. Like Mm -hmm. the, the, Maya Angelou said, you alone are enough. You don't need to prove yourself to anyone. Mm -hmm. And I think they do a lot of the, the perfecting and and proving through, through things being just so just Mm -hmm. right. Um, and so to know that they are enough, that they are good, that they can make mistakes, that's healing. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful. If you have a one in your life, if you're married to one or have a good friend, that's a one to be aware of that because then you can speak into it when you see that they're struggling or that they're in anxiety or shame, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to, to name that, like that, you know, if you see that they're struggling because they made a mistake or they're beating themselves up for something that they felt like they should have known better to do, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to speak truth to them and to speak that worth and just that they are enough and that they are good Mm -hmm. um, and that their mistakes don't define them. Their work, even their work does not define them, right? That they have, um, they have inherent worth that we can speak to and we can remind them of, Mm -hmm. of their value to us. Yeah, for sure. So for the two, um, what they need to hear and this is my type, uh, you were wanted for who you are, um, or another way to put it is it's okay to have your own needs. And Mm -hmm. I definitely think that both of those connect with me, but definitely hearing it's okay to have your own needs is probably the most healing Mm -hmm. for me. Like I, I need that self care. And, and the more that I've learned that and set boundaries, I've just become a much healthier person. Mm -hmm. So uh, but I do think that twos in their childhood sometimes can be like the little mamas who are just taking <laughs> care of everybody, neglecting their own needs. Um, and so this is really hard for them because this has been a pattern that was established so long ago that they take care of other people. They're the caregivers, you know, they're sometimes called the givers, the helpers, the caregivers. Um, that they, they've got to also care for themselves and love themselves. And that's still what I'm going to be working on my whole life yeah. is to kind of be intentional about that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like as a two that you've gotten a lot of praise for that in your life? And like when you were younger for your helpfulness? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember like being at the church and people giving me compliments. So you're always here. Mm-hmm. You're always here to help and all of that, and um, and in my own family, and um, I can remember helping my brothers with college applications. Like I was just always in that role, cleaning the house, helping, and I did get some praise for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I learned that was reinforced in my childhood that that you um, can can get some recognition from this role of helper. I didn't know that consciously as right. a child. But I can look back and see, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't feel like I was maybe getting the attention that I Mm -hmm. needed. And so I got it sometimes through helping. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. 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 I think it's interesting with twos and just twos that I know in my life and and love. You know, I think there's a natural, very um, 
helpful to this mm-hmm. helpfulness to them. Like it's very sincere. Mm-hmm. Um, but along the way, people start noticing that obviously yeah. and complimenting them. And I think sometimes people's um, sense of worth can get tied up into that. Yeah. And then people become to expect them to be helpful. Right. So it's yeah. like, there is like the helpfulness they want to be, but then there's also these expectations that they then feel that other people expect of them. And yeah. so sometimes it can just, it can be a lot. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for twos to be able to, like you were saying to recognize, okay, it's okay to have my own needs and it's important that I take care of those needs. You yeah. know, everyone else has needs and I could be helpful because that's a value to me, but I don't have to be helpful in all these ways and always say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's not where my worth comes from. Mm-hmm. And like my worth is important and my needs are important, you know, yeah. having that healthy balance. Yeah. I mean the old cliche that when you say no to other people, you're saying yes to yourself right. is, is really big. When a two learns mm-hmm. that, I mean, we, we have to learn how to say yes to ourselves because mm-hmm. we're good at saying it to other people. Um, but yeah, I've had to learn that saying it to myself is, is again, lifetime work. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So our threes. Okay. Threes. Um, the message is you are loved for yourself um, or you are loved for being you. Mm-hmm. So this is important for threes because um, they are they are hard workers. They are high achieving, and sometimes they they identify their worth with what mm-hmm. they produce or what they do. And mm-hmm. so, as we kind of talked about last time, as as they're growing up, usually mm-hmm. um, they felt like it's not okay to have their own feelings and identity. Like they need to kind of merge with almost this sense of whatever is highly valued, whatever is high mm-hmm. seemed, you know, whatever is, um, whatever is admired, that's what you need to be. You know, mm-hmm. so sometimes we can pick that up from our families or from our school or wherever else. Um, but it's almost like threes can sometimes set themselves aside to become the ideal. Mm-hmm. And so that is it. That is a work for them to be able to separate their worth from what they do or what they produce or their image specifically, yeah. you know? And so to, to have their own feelings and identity and to know like you are loved for simply being you, you are loved for who you are, yeah. not just what you do, even though you do great work. <laughs> yeah. I think threes and nines are a little bit alike in, in, you know, the way of that they can merge with others easily. Mm-hmm. Like threes, it can be a little bit chameleon like, whereas nines, um, may not change who they are as much. They may just like not allow their presence to be seen and as big in a room. And right. threes don't have a problem with their presence maybe being as big and their voice being as big, but they certainly can can be accommodators in the way yes. that they cha- you know kind of go with the flow to become who the group that they're with means them to be. You know, yeah, some, you're some right. threes, um, you know end up I've heard stories about going to a, a, a funeral for a three and there's all these different <laughs> different people there because they can just go to all these different groups and be whoever they're needed to be mm-hmm. um and that's dangerous right. you know I think that's why it's saying that you are loved for yourself and you've mm-hmm. got to find who that you is mm-hmm. you know you've got to i I think it was Young who said the privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. Mm-hmm. And that is the work of the three to figure out who am I. Right. Um, to be their true self. 
um, to find, you know, authenticity. That's, mm-hmm. that's the spiritual work, I think, is to find the authentic self. Um, I think another way of putting it is for three, that it's okay to have your own feelings yeah. as well, not just your identity. Right. That, that they are uh, like the seven and the eights. They really push down the heart center and the feelings. Yes. And so that's part of, you know, the healing lost childhood message as well. It's, mm-hmm. it's okay to feel. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think therapy specifically could be a really great place for threes for yeah. that reason. You know, it is a, a place where they can kind of, what is under the surface? Like what is under the yeah. achieving? If we take off that achieving mask, what is there? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what are you really feeling? And sometimes like, I mean, similar again, similar to nines, like that takes work sometimes. Like it, it feels like sometimes it can feel like nothing is there, you know, or, yeah. or that things are fine, you know? Um, and so it, it really is a gift when you see a three who has gained some of that self-awareness and done some of that work and is, mm-hmm. is like allowing those feelings to flow out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this episode. That was just the needed childhood messages for the one, two, and three. So next week, we'll look at types four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine and their needed childhood message. And stay tuned for this meditation led by Kat. like to invite you to join me in a couple of minutes of silent seating and guided meditation. My name is Kat. I invite you to find a comfortable seat, whether you are sitting on a chair or on the floor, maybe even reclining down and make sure that you feel supported, relaxed, and at ease. Unless you need to keep your eyes open, soften your gaze or close your eyes. Begin connecting to your breathing. Recognize when you're taking an inhale and know that it is inhale. Recognize when you take exhale and know it is exhale. Continue to breathe slowly in through the nose, out through the nose or mouth. Invite a sense of relaxation in your physical body, in your mental body, in your emotional body. Recognize that every exhale is an opportunity to soften, soften any sharp edges, soften any aggravations, soften worries, pains or aches. Stay here and breathe. moment by reminding yourself that right now, in this moment in time, you have everything you need. It's all here. 
recognize your mind starts wandering, refocus on your breathing, on sensations in your body. And now let's all take a deep inhale through the nose. Long exhale out of the mouth. Stay as long as you like or blink your eyes open. Offer yourself a moment of gratitude for taking time to quietly sit and get focused and relaxed. Until next time.